Brilliant, thank you, uh, Linda, for reading. And uh, just in case you, you didn't know, you probably worked out by now, the, the verses are on the, on, the, on the little white sheets on your seat as well, so you can uh, read along and um, really just check, I think, that what, what we say Sunday to Sunday from the front here at Foundation Church is, is from the Bible. And um, that's what we want uh, you to hear is, is um, God's word in the Bible and not necessarily, not, not my word. You know, I'll, I'll deliver it, um, but you need to make sure that what you're hearing is, is from God's word. And so that's why we uh, print these things out for you. If you have your own Bibles, that's um, fine as well. Or if you're reading on a, a device, that's, that's, that's great. Um, if you are new with us this morning or one of our returning uh, guests, it's great to have you. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, today is uh, part two of our series that we're looking at these various um, encounters that Jesus has with different people, uh, different sorts of people. And uh, it's very enlightening, very interesting, because um, uh, if we want to encounter Jesus, if we, if, if we want to learn more about him and actually come to know him and for him to uh, pr- produce a, a tre- tremendous, remarkable change in our lives, we have to understand uh, what, he, what he is and uh, what he says. And so today, uh, we're going to be examining uh, this um, passage that Linda's just read to us uh, under this topic, the new birth, or, or uh, being born again. Um, and so over the next few minutes together, we're going to be asking a few questions of the verses that we've just read together. Uh, the first question is, what is the new birth? Okay, what does it mean to be born again? Uh, the second question is, why do we need it? Uh, the third question we're going to be asking is, how do we get it? And fourthly and finally, what difference does it make? I hope that helps. First of all, then, let's look at this question. What is the new birth? You may have heard the term born-again Christian. And when you hear that term, it might uh, immediately uh, bring to mind certain types of people. Uh, so-and-so is identified as a born-again Christian. Um, sometimes that's a positive thing. Uh, most often outside of little uh, church circles, it's, 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 it's considered to be a, a negative thing. Or like, oh, they're a born-again Christian. That's why they're behaving like that. You know, that's why they're all um, excited and Bible bashers and things like that. That's the sort of thing that's maybe communicated in our places of work or what have you. Um, and maybe you've got your own view on what a born-again Christian uh, might be. But according to Jesus in these verses, um, to be a born-again person or a born-again follower of Jesus, that is the definition of being a believer in Jesus, a, a Christian. Um, in, in other words, um, no one can, can, can be a, a follower of Jesus without being born again, without experiencing the new life, uh, the new birth that he, he gives us. Um, and so to sort of use born again as a sort of a separate class of slightly strange or odd types of, of believers um, is not what Jesus uh, understands it. And that's not how, therefore, we must understand it either. So in order for us to have an encounter with Jesus and to know him, we must understand what it means to be born again. Uh, what does Jesus mean by it? And so he has this interaction um, in these verses here with a, a religious man, a leader, um, a scholar, uh, a man by the name of Nicodemus, it says in verse 1, who came to Jesus in the night. He had some questions, but he didn't want to be seen. He didn't want to be uh, seen by the academy or by his uh, religious um, colleagues. And so he came to Jesus on the quiet. And he asks him, uh, or rather he states these things about him, which we'll look at in a few moments. But Jesus says in verse 3 to this, this scholar, this teacher, he says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you are born again, says Jesus. Or in other words, in order to know God and to, to know his blessing, 
and to enjoy life with him, you must be born again. There's no other way, according to Jesus. So it's not a subclass of Christians or or, or what have you. It is the very definition of what it is to be a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus. And in verse 4, the man, uh, Nicodemus, is incredulous. He says, well, how how can this be? How how can someone be born again when they're already born? are Are you telling me you have to go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? Surely he didn't actually mean that to be the case. He was incredulous. And Jesus again replies in verse 5. He sort of restates, Truly I say to you, unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot know God. You cannot experience him unless you are born again. To be born again, uh, according to Jesus here, is to step into and experience something of this radically different this new life, uh, an utterly different. So we're not talking here about a physical rebirth. He, he rules that out. Uh, neither are we talking here about reincarnation, the idea that you die and then be born again, uh, you know, the other side of death. And that, that, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. Neither are we talking about some program of self-improvement, and it's just given a fancy title like being born again. It's not turning over a new leaf. It is not working hard on one part of your life you wish you could get better in. What we're talking about here, when we're talking about being born again, what Jesus is saying is that, that, that we must understand and experience a profound shift in our lives, and, and it's called the new birth. Um, a, a, a complete uh, renovation, if you like, of, of your life. He, he, he says um, you must be born of water and the Spirit. So let's, let's uh, take a few moments to try and understand what that means, to be born of water and the Spirit, and then hopefully that gives us a broader understanding um, of what Jesus is teaching us here. Uh, the new birth, according to Jesus, in verse 5, um, uh, is, is being born of water and the Spirit. What does this mean? Um, in order for us to sort of understand some of the language, and don't forget he's discussing this with a, a religious scholar, a, a Pharisee, a, a, a leader of the Jews, somebody who knew the, uh, the Hebrew scriptures, the Hebrew Bible. Um, and so he uses these terms to explain the new birth. So let's zoom out a little bit. Because in the, in the Old Testament, in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, um, these two ideas of water and spirit, or water and, and breath, if you like, are, are, are very key to our understanding of the new birth. Um, in the Old Testament, and we saw this a bit last week with the water into wine. Remember, water was used for cleansing, for removing of purities, for making pure. You can see here um, this quote from Ezekiel, uh, one of the ancient prophets of, of, of Israel, pointing to this future new birth. And, and through the prophet, God says to the people, you've wandered away from me, you've, you've, you've messed up, you are a mess. But he says, one day, I will sprinkle clean water on you, he says, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. So this idea of being cleansed, sprinkled, cleaned by God uh, is part of the new birth, and that, that's one of the reasons why we do baptism in water and not foam or tomato sauce, is water symbolizes something of the cleansing of what God does for us in Jesus through the new birth. That's water. But he says, unless you're born of water and the spirit, you shall not be born again. What is this idea of spirit or wind or, in the Hebrew, breath? 
And again, we can go to Ezekiel, very handily, happily, uh, speaks of both of these things. Again, God uh, speaking to the people of Israel. They are, as it were, a, a, a bunch of dry bones, dead, dusty, no life, no body, no flesh, nothing, just lying there. And God says to the people, again, one day, he says, I will cause breath to enter you. This wind, uh, spirit, it's the same word. I will cause that to enter you and you shall live. He goes on to say uh, in Ezekiel, so I prophesied as he commanded me, that's God, and the breath came into them, this bunch of dry bones, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. So you see the breath of God entering into dry bones, into dead bones, bringing them to life. It's kind of like divine CPR, spiritual mouth-to-mouth, breathing life, restoring life once again. That's the new birth. Born of water, becoming clean when you were unclean. Born of the Spirit, having life about you when you were dead. That's the new birth. You can see it's not just a little improvement here, a little improvement there. It is essential to knowing God, to encountering Jesus. It's the new birth. What is the new birth? Being born of water and the Spirit. Secondly then, why do we need it? Why is this important for us? Why is it important for you? Well, Jesus says already twice, and you've probably picked this up in verses 3 and verses 5, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Or he says it even more strongly in verse 5, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And what is this kingdom of God? If you're unfamiliar with this, this term, uh, what is it? Uh, well, the kingdom of God is, is this massive uh, concept that the Bible uh, presents before us. The kingdom of God is the place of God's rule. It's the place where people live under his perfect reign, where God is the king and his people enjoy his reign. They live under it. They experience his blessing. In the kingdom of God, there is freedom. There is no sin. There is rest from our enemies. There is no evil. There is no injustice. There is no pain. There is nothing but joy. These are some of the things that sum up this broad and amazing concepts of the kingdom of God. Quite literally, it is heaven on earth. It is the reign of God coming to bear on the people of God. And as we've seen already, the prophets of Israel were pointing to the coming kingdom of God. The, the Jewish people were anticipating it. This was the direction that they were heading towards. And this is why we need the new birth, to be born again. In other words, to be regenerated. That's another word that Christians can sometimes use. In order to secure residence in the kingdom of God, for that to be your guaranteed inheritance, for you to come home from your wandering, you must have the new birth. There is no other way you will see or enter the kingdom of God. Maybe for clarity, let's again step back and try and see together some of the bigger picture and particularly if you're not familiar uh, with the Bible, uh, the Bible is a, is a story, a great, complex, and wonderful story. But it can be understood something like this. Uh, you and I, as human beings, were created to live in that kingdom, that place of God's beautiful rule of justice, of freedom, of peace. We were created for that, to know and enjoy God in that place. And, and, and right back at the beginning of the Bible, in, in Genesis Chapter 2, he creates human beings in his own image. And what does he do? He breathes life. He breathes his breath into them. 
and they become living human beings. And he places our first parents in, in, in this beautiful garden, this sort of uh, um, beautiful place. He gives them work to do to bring forth goodness from, from the ground, um, to enjoy God, to be satisfied in him, to, to delight in him and his creation. That's, that's what we were all created to do and to enjoy that with them. Um, but our first parents, as we see in Genesis 3, rebelled against God's loving rule. They didn't want the kingdom of God. They chose to believe a lie instead. And as such, as part of that, as they rebelled and went against God, God said, you need to leave my presence. You need to leave my kingdom. You shall surely die because you ate the fruits I told you not to do. You failed the test. You believed the lie of the evil one instead of my word. And so off they went. They were kicked out from the garden, ejected from the kingdom. And being away from God, being out of his wonderful presence, is death. It is spiritual death. It is relational death. They were physically alive. They walked off. But spiritually and relationally, their connection to their creator God was destroyed. And the effect of this death and decline that they experienced sort of continues on and that's that's why uh, we experience what we do today um, wars and poverty and injustice and relational breakdown and uh, that's why lies and manipulation are used by everybody that's why we're not at peace within ourselves we're not peace between ourselves that's why there's inner conflict and outer conflict all of this is because we are We've wandered away because we've left the garden. We've been booted out of the kingdom of God because of our sin. That's what happens when we're cut off from the source of life. That's what we read all through scripture. So why do we need the new birth? Because as those who are cut off from God and, and spiritually dead, we cannot perform spiritual CPR on ourselves. We need someone to come to us to bring us radical new life we need life from outside we need we need someone with a higher power to come to us and regenerate us to give us new birth look at um, Nicodemus here for a second he, he in verse 1 tells us he was a Pharisee which means that he belonged to a, one of the strictest sort of sects of, of Judaism um, we also learn that he was a religious leader. He's called in verse 10 a teacher of Israel. He's one of the, sort of the elder statesmen, I suppose, of, 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 the, uh, of the people of Israel. You know, he would be the reverend doctor in theology, no doubt. Um, had a PhD in uh, Hebrew scriptures. He knew the scriptures, clearly. That's his job. He, he, he knew what they taught. He knew the creation account. He knew the prophecies. He knew about the coming kingdom. But also we see in verse 2, he, he knew what Jesus was doing in signs and wonders and his teaching. And so this man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus in the, in, the, in the night, asking himself, is this it? Is this the coming kingdom of God that we've all been waiting for and hungering for? Is this it coming among us? So imagine his shock. When Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying, you can see the signs of the kingdom with your own eyes. 
You can hear the words about the kingdom with your own ears, but it does not mean you are in the kingdom because you are exposed to this knowledge. It does not mean that you are in a right relationship with God. That's the big shock that would have come to Nicodemus, the teacher of Israel. Um, and, and I think we can safely say that the, the idea of the new birth, of being born again, is a problem uh, for religious people, um, much like Nicodemus. And because I, I think it's fair to say that it's possible for someone to, to, to be exposed to Christian heritage, um, someone to come from a church background even, you know, can, can, can sit and hear the words of God preached week after week, can learn the stories about God um, as a child, can attend church, can even adopt religious practices. It is possible to do all of those things and according to Jesus, still not be born again. It's shocking, but that's what he's saying. You can still not enter the kingdom of God and yet have all that in your toolkit. People can do a very good job of convincing themselves and other people, but ultimately it's just acting. In the 18th century, um, there was a great revival um, um, movement, I suppose. Um, it, it came over here a bit, but it was, it was largely in England and sort of spread uh, further afield to, to North America as well. And, and um, uh, during this amazing time where, where people um, experienced and knew about the new birth, it was under the preaching of, 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 of people like George Whitfield and John Wesley, you know, the leaders of the, the Methodist movement. But, but as, as they grew in their sort of um, influence and, and, and the influence of, of their message spread um, across um, society as it was, they experienced persecution. But the interesting thing is that the persecution that they experienced was not from the government or from some sort of paramilitaries or anything like that. The persecution that they experienced was from the church, from the religious people. In fact, Wesley and uh, Whitfield and all their colleagues, they preached the new birth to the working man and woman, to the miners, to the laborers, to those who work the land, to those who are in poverty, to the drunkards. And these people responded in their droves. They, they ran to the message and to the person, to Jesus himself. They, they found it amazing that God would favor someone like them. They found it amazing that God would save someone like them by sending his son to, to, to them, even them. They loved it. And, 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 and so, so this, this massive movement of God uh, took root primarily among the, the working class. But for religious people, the message of the new birth was too revolutionary. Right? It, exp it exposed too much rot in, in the organization because the new birth teaching really hits your gut when you hear it, especially among religious people. Because the new birth shows that none of our religious practices, our theological knowledge, our church attendance, our good works, none of that ultimately makes any difference. What you need fundamentally is the new birth. And that is not something that you can do for yourself. A corpse, as we've been thinking, a corpse cannot give itself new life. It must come from a higher power. 
religious people don't like the new birth. I think it's fair to say that irreligious people can struggle with it, but in different ways. They don't use religion to try and achieve the blessed life, but there are other things that we can do uh, to try and achieve the blessed life if we're not from a religious background. We can try uh, and, and, and use our looks, for example, our talents, our abilities, our career, uh, gathering money, our power, whatever it is to try and gain satisfaction and approval and a sense that I have life, I am sorted, I'm good. But again, Jesus would say to that, to you, that's not eternal life. That's not the new birth. That's not something of the quality and durability that only Jesus can offer. So we thought about what is the new birth, first of all. We've been starting to think about why we need it. A corpse can't give itself new life. Um, so thirdly, then, we're going to be asking ourselves, how do we get it? How do we get the new birth? What, what do we do to obtain this or achieve it? And I suppose on, on one level, there's a, you probably picked it up already, there's absolutely nothing that you, you can do. Um, it says in verses 7 and 8, for example, the wind blows wherever it wants. Um, you hear its sound, but you don't know um, where, it, where it's coming from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit, born of the Spirit, born of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying you cannot control uh, or understand how and where it blows, much like wind, you can't control that. But you can see it and you can experience its effects. So how do we get the new birth then if it's so sort of, uh, you know, the Spirit is so uncontrollable, so to speak, this the Spirit that gives life? Well, there are, two, there are two ways that we can understand this, I think, and hopefully this will help to try and uh, nail this down to something a little more practical for us. Um, how do we get it? First of all, we, we, we understand that the new birth comes, uh, being born again comes when God acts upon you. He's the one who comes to give you spiritual CPR. Uh, the new birth, first and foremost, is something that God does to you. It come, he comes to you from outside of yourself. We have to understand that. First, it is God who determines and desires where, uh, where the life goes. Um, remember he says in, in, in Ezekiel, I will wash you clean. Or, or later on he says, I will breathe into your lungs. It originates from God. It's his choice. Does that mean we have no role in that? Not, not at all. Um, because the second way we understand this then is the human role, to hear the good news and believe. Jesus said to Nicodemus in verse 11, for example, you've seen the signs, you've heard the teaching, yet you don't believe. You don't see what those signs point to. You, you hear it and you refuse to accept it. Therefore, you can't be born again. And then he um, describes this story um, in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What in the world is he talking about? Um, Jesus is referring to an ancient, a story in ancient Israel, um, which Nicodemus would have been very familiar with, but perhaps um, you, you've never, never heard of it. Um, so we'll, we'll have a look, quick look at that. Um, in, in the wilderness, the people of God had been freed uh, from, from slavery in Egypt. Um, they, were, they were wandering around the wilderness for 40 years because they rebelled against God. And at one particularly low point in their, in their story, um, they'd rebelled against God so badly that God sent a plague of snakes, um, poisonous snakes, 
and, and, uh, and the, the snakes bit many people and, and caused some to die, and it was terrible. And so the people called out to God and said, God, make this stop. They went to Moses and said, can you, can you get in touch um, with the Lord and, and ask him to stop all this? And God said to Moses, make for me, or make for yourselves, a bronze snake. Lift it up for all to see. And those who look upon that snake will have their life restored to them. And that's what happened. That's how the plague stopped for the people of Israel. They looked at this bronze snake that Moses had made, and the plague abated. Nicodemus knew the story well. And Jesus is saying to him, in the same way, he says, in verse 14, when the Son of Man is lifted up, and when you look at the Son of Man, that is when you believe in him, you shall receive life. You shall receive this new birth, this eternal life. You shall be born again when you look at the Son of Man being lifted up. And that's the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. That is the gospel that animates us and it is the center of what we do as a church. When Jesus was lifted up, you see, on the wooden cross, he was was taken to a forsaken spot outside the city of Jerusalem and he was made a spectacle of. And Jesus is saying, when you look at him, you'll be saved. Not just look at him and appreciate what he did, although you can. Not just look at him and agree that it happened, because it did. But look at him and see what he did for you. That's when he brings you life. When you see him lifted up on the cross, you'll realize that you were lifted up to God. And then on the third day, Jesus was again lifted up, lifted up from the grave to step into eternal resurrection life. And then about 50 days later, he was lifted up again to heaven as he ascended to God. And so to be born again, you need to believe the gospel about Jesus, the good news of Jesus. You need to look up to him and be amazed at what he's done and what he did for you and be filled with awe and and believe he did it for you. And at that moment, says Jesus, you will access, you will enter the kingdom of heaven through him. You'll be born again. And at the moment of your new birth, God's spirit comes upon you, gives you life, washes you clean, gives you resurrection life, all the blessings that, um, uh, that we'll see later as we go through this series. That's what happens when you look up to Jesus and believe that what he did was for you. So we thought about how do we get it by looking to him. And fourthly and finally then, let's, let's ask ourselves, well, what difference does it make? It's all very well saying these things, and I can see where you co- that comes from in the Bible. That's, that's all well and good. But what difference does it make? Let's try and walk this out a little bit um, to Monday morning and see what difference it makes. In verse 15, uh, Jesus said, when, when you see the Son of Man lifted up, whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What is this eternal life that Jesus is talking about in verse 15? It, it is the future realm, it is the kingdom of God that we've been thinking about, but it is breaking in now. So you get a, a foretaste of the future now. That, that's what eternal life is, that's what Jesus is offering, that's what happens when you're born again. It makes a difference now. Just like you see the wind blowing, uh, you will start to see the effects of your new birth in yourself. 
and you'll start to see the effects of it in other people when they experience or have the new birth. So I think at this stage, on our fourth and final point, it's important for us to ask ourselves, have I received the new birth? Have you received the new birth? And if so, what are the signs of your new birth? They will look different for each person. There was another religious leader um, in the New Testament, same uh, Pharisee, the same as Nicodemus. Um, He was a a learned man. He was theologically brilliant. He uh, described himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews. Um, He was a pious uh, follower of of God. Um, He was zealous for the things of God. And he was called the Apostle Paul. He had great religious credentials that would blow all of us out of the water if we were to line up against him. And yet he came to realize one day that all of his religious credentials, as impressive as they were in the eyes of his colleagues and uh, people in society, they put him no way nearer to the kingdom of God. But when he had an encounter with Jesus, when he was born again, he, he himself experienced this new life, this new creation Um, that he later on calls it. And and so when that happened, when he had this encounter, this life-saving, life-changing encounter with Jesus, he looked at his previous achievements, his qualifications, his his pious performance, his religious activities, and he said, and he wrote this down in a letter to a church in Philippi, he said, when I look back at that, I count everything as loss compared, he says, to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I count that stuff as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. Just let that sink in for a moment. Count that as loss compared to the worth of knowing Christ Jesus. So if we're looking for the difference it makes, a sign of your new birth, Perhaps we can start here with the words of Paul. When you experience and have the new birth, when you are born again, you will come to realize that nothing matters to you anymore, or rather nothing matters anything more than knowing Jesus, than having him, gaining him. The new birth, according to the Bible, is so radical, it is so deep, it is so profound in its impact, that you can never be the same again. And so it will loosen your grip on what you previously thought of as gains. The things that you held tightly to, the things that you did to gain approval in the eyes of yourself, when you look in the mirror, or in the eyes of other people, or even in the eyes of God. It loosens your grip on all of those things. So when you have the new birth, it produces in you Not a a list of do's and don'ts and further restrictions on your life and further laws to obey. When you experience the new birth, it produces within you a release, a freedom. There's a peace that will come. New birth ensures a growing sense and experience of this new life as it takes root and grows within your life. 
when you know and understand that you've been washed clean permanently, when you know and understand that you have been filled with the breath, the Spirit of God, that's the first difference it will make. Perhaps the second difference it will make will be this. When the Spirit comes, when, when, when God breathes that new life into you and you are born again, he grants you new life, and, and the Holy Spirit um, begins to grow fruit in your life. He will grow fruit. And, and, and the scripture describes the fruit in these terms. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. And much like fruit on a tree, it grows and it grows and it grows. An increasing measure. So that's when you know that you've experienced the new birth, when you see these things. And none of us are perfect. And there's seasons of growth. We get that. But you will see these things in increasing measure in your life. You will see it in yourself. You will be more patient as time goes on and not less patient. You will seek peace and experience peace as time goes on. You will experience joy as time goes on. A deep, rooted joy that transcends the trials of this life. That is what the Holy Spirit will do in you when you experience the new birth. You'll see it in yourself. Others will see it in you. Sometimes they will see it in you first before you recognize it in yourself. They will think to themselves, perhaps into themselves, he is a lot more chilled out these days than he used to be since he started going to that church. Your colleagues or your family might say, well, she's a lot less angry than she used to be. That scowl seems to have disappeared. He's kind of happy these days. She's not as riled as she used to be. These are the sort of things. They, they, they will not maybe understand that that's because you've been born again, but that's, that's what they'll see. They'll see the fruit. So first sign, I suppose, of the new birth is just seeing Jesus above all things. The second one then is seeing the fruit grow consistently uh, in your life. And I suppose the third thing then Uh, is that when you experience the new birth, God's Holy Spirit not only grows fruit in your life, but he grants gifts to your life. He supplies you with gifts and a drive and a desire in order to serve him and to serve other people around you. You, you. You will notice that you will want to honor God with your life. You will want to live for him. You will want to serve others. You will want to use your time and your treasures, that is your money, and your talents to display the glorious good news of Jesus. That's what you will want. That's what the Holy Spirit does within us when you experience the new birth. Let's tie these things together. What about you as you sit and contemplate these verses? And ask yourself, where do I stand in relation to the new birth, being born again? Um, Is it something you know you need, but you've never had? Have you experienced or do you know something of the breath of God giving you life? The the eternal life that Jesus promises here when you look up to him? Have Have you had that? If you haven't, in a few moments, we will pray and we will ask God, and you can use these words, to receive it, to, to look to Jesus and, and accept him and, and trust him, maybe for the first time, for, for giving you that life. He's the only one who can, 
give you CPR, spiritual CPR. Maybe uh, your position is slightly different. As, as we talk through these things, you've, you've sort of realized um, that, that you maybe are more outside the kingdom of God than, than you realized. Maybe you thought you were in by your religious efforts or, or your church attendance or whatever, but you're starting to have that nagging suspicion that perhaps your efforts, your, your practices, even your values fall way short of what God has for you. That only God can give you the new birth in order to obtain the life that your soul hungers for. Again, if that's you, we're going to pray in a few moments to that God will give you faith to believe and receive from him. Maybe you're identifying a little bit with Nicodemus in some sense. You're sort of coming to Jesus or coming to church sort of under the radar, hoping that none of your pals or your colleagues from work will see you turning up for church. You want to come, you've got questions. And you're still in that sort of exploration phase. And I would say to you, good, keep going. Um, but don't remain an onlooker for too long. Come, come in closer to Jesus. Keep attending Keep learning, keep listening to God, keep asking questions. And come hopefully one day and have an, a true life-changing encounter with Jesus. Maybe you are already born again. You've experienced the new birth. Maybe recently, maybe a long time ago. Either way, praise God. But be amazed once again as you listen to this. Be amazed at God's grace in you. We can sometimes lapse as believers in Jesus to think that actually God helped us a bit and we did the rest. That is not the case. You were dead. He brought you to life. Praise God. And if that's you, and again you're just noticing that the, maybe the fruit isn't there as much as you would desire, or, or the gifting, it, it, you're just asking for more gifts, we're going to pray in a few moments again and ask that God through his Holy Spirit will continue the work that he has started in you. More fruit, Lord, more gifts. In Jesus' name. Let's pray.